Well, we're going to continue in our study of the words of Jesus, our series, The Red Letter Jesus. And at this point, we are zeroing in on the kingdom of God. Jesus spoke extensively about his kingdom, his father's kingdom, uh, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Last week, we talked about those who will not be in the kingdom. And this week, we're going to be talking about those who are eligible to join the kingdom. Uh, in 1983, there was uh, a movie that came out called The Right Stuff. I don't know if you ever saw that movie, um, but it was a, a very good movie, and it was it was talking about the selection process that NASA went through um, in order to select astronauts. And they logically went to uh, the military where they had test pilots who, would, uh, who were always trying to test uh, faster, more powerful uh, airplanes. And they figured, well, the natural, um, it would be a natural progression for us to use test pilots to be our astronauts to send these folks up into space. And um, it's quite an interesting story because these guys had what was considered the right stuff to be test pilots. They were, they were intelligent and they, they were fit they were brave, courageous, they were confident, and they were skilled pilots. And uh, it was interesting to see how this story, how it talked about how these test pilots, when they found out what they were going to be asked to do, they figured that it was an insult to be considered an astronaut. Because to them, they were just being asked to be guinea pigs, to be placed in these big silver cans, to sit in a spot, to have very little control, to have the control um, or the mission uh, base be responsible for everything that happens. Essentially, they were just guinea pigs. No need for intelligence, no need to be brave, confident, uh, certainly no skill they figured. Now we know that that has developed. Of course, our astronauts that go up now have uh, meet all those characteristics and they too have the right stuff. But uh, you can see how these test pilots who got a thrill off of uh, testing the speeds and, and breaking barriers with speed <laughs> would kind of look at this idea and sort of say, well, I'm just really, I, they could put a monkey in there and uh, it would do the same job. I wonder what these descriptions have in common. Poor in spirit, poor in heart, meek, childlike, uninvited, hungry and thirsty, tax collectors, mourners. There you go, Andrew, the one-eyed. I could have put the one-handed. Prostitutes, obedient, persecuted, merciful, 
have in common. Those are words that Jesus used to describe people who qualified to enter the kingdom of God. It wasn't fit, brave, intelligent, confident, skilled. Interesting, isn't it? But these are the words that Jesus used to say, these are the people who are inheriting the kingdom of God. (coughs) Now, some of this needs explaining. Not every prostitute is going to go into the kingdom of God, but basically Jesus was experiencing women of ill repute who in their humility understood their need for help and they came to him and he allowed them to come into the kingdom of God. The same with tax collectors. Zacchaeus, notorious in exploiting people in Israel, humbled himself and came into the kingdom of God. The persecuted ones, those who were willing to stand up for God, and we think, and and, and the Jewish people really had an issue with this, particularly with their concept of Messiah, that the Messiah would never be crucified, and so they rejected Jesus. But the persecuted are those who understand that there's so much more to life than what we glorify in life. And they get persecuted for that. Andrews explained the one-eyed. Those who are willing to, and obviously it's not literal, but it's a figurative thing. They're willing to get rid of the right eye if it's going to stop you from entering the kingdom. Those who are childlike, Jesus said that. Allow those little kids to come to me. These are the types of people that are going to enter the kingdom of God. And so it makes sense when people say the kingdom of God is the upside down kingdom. Because we think of having the right stuff as having the stuff that would qualify you. Quite often we get religious about it. We think of, well, they go to church and they give money to church and they do good things and they, you know, they're uh, good living people. And, and we, we say that those are the ones who qualify. But as we saw last week, <laughs> there, were good, there are going to be a lot of people surprised on the day of judgment <clears throat> because what they've done is they have placed their confidence in what they can do, not in what God has done. For them. And so what these things all have in common, of course, is the key to entering the kingdom of God is humility. It's humility. Recognizing need in yourself for help beyond yourself. Matthew 23, 12 says, Jesus said, For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Not the false humility, (laughs) which we do for ourselves, to make ourselves look better, 
but the true humility. Those who recognize their need for a Savior. So the first thing that I think we need to consider when we're thinking about those who are eligible to enter the kingdom of God, the very first thing is humility. It's the opposite of humility that actually leads to that which disqualifies us. Pride. Pride disqualifies us from entering the kingdom. Humility enables us to enter the kingdom. The second quality that is required is a willingness to repent. You can be humble and you can actually understand your need, but you might not be willing to repent of your sin. It's very curious that in Jesus' day, and it's not that curious, and there are still people that actually think this way, which is tragic, but there are people that think this way, and certainly in Jesus' day, people would draw a direct line from illness or suffering or hardship to sin. They would come to Jesus and they say, who sinned? Who sinned so that this guy ended up blind? Whose sin was it that made him blind? And I say that that's not over with yet, because we too today still look on people who have hardships, who struggle from illness or struggle with um, catastrophes happening in them, and so self-righteously we say to ourselves, Hmm, they must deserve it for some reason. There's some reason. They're sinful. Luke 13 is one example of Jesus responding to this mentality. Now, there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galilean whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. So these are people, Galileans, who were persecuted by Rome, were killed, and their blood was mixed with the Roman sacrifices. And Jesus answered, or the Jewish, probably the Jewish um, sacrifices. Jesus, Jesus answered, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will perish. Or those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them. Do you think that they were more guilty and they deserved it? My words. Than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. And so we have to acknowledge our need, but we also have to be willing to repent. We can't sit in judgment on other people and understand why they wouldn't qualify. We have to repent ourselves. Nobody who enters the kingdom of God will not have repented of their sin. Repentance is key. Does that go the same as forgiveness? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. We need to forgive as well others of their sins. Well, we're going to be talking about that too, right? Because when we get into 
um, the teachings on the Sermon on the Mount, it'll, it's, we're going to focus on that. You can. Don't ever say you can't. You can't. What Jesus is saying here in this to these folks who are coming up with these ideas of, well, who sinned so that they would suffer this way? What Jesus is saying here is that those folks who suffered persecution and human tragedy are no worse or then again better than anyone else. Everyone has sinned and everyone needs to repent. So, those who will enter the kingdom of God are those who are humble and those who have repented. But there's something else. The right stuff of the kingdom also includes goodness. Not the goodness that we do to earn entry into the kingdom, but the goodness that is evidence that we understand our need for humility and repentance to enter, to enter the kingdom of God. So, goodness that is evidence of a life that has been redeemed, forgiven, and saved. Matthew 3, Jesus again, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Are you sensing... <laughs> That the bar is getting kind of hard, high here? You need to be humble, you need to repent, and you need to produce fruit. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Matthew 7, Jesus said, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. If there's no evidence that you are a citizen of the kingdom of God, you're probably not a citizen of the kingdom of God. Sorry. This calls out those who claim to be Christian, but live like everybody else. They believe that they're born again but it hasn't changed them. There are famous people claiming to be born again, but the fruit is bad fruit. Don't fall for their words. It's not about what you say, it's about the fruit of your life, how you live. Jesus uh, chose to emphasize this misunderstanding when he talked about the judgment day. He didn't say, come into your kingdom, those of you who claim to be Christians, who attend church, who give money to the church, who say that you believe that Jesus is the Christ. That is what we would have said, thought he would say, right? Come on. You're a Christian, you come in. 
You go to church regularly, you come in. You gave a lot to the church, you come in. You're, you live well, come, come on in. You don't smoke, come on. <laughs> that, that used to be the, right, when I was growing up? Smoke or drink. You're not it. All right? This is what Jesus said, Matthew 25. At the judgment, the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Look at the surprise of these people. Because they never did this to Jesus. Then the righteous are going to say, Whoa, Lord, when did, you, when did we see you hungry and feed you? I don't remember that. Or thirsty and give you something to drink. When did we see you a stranger invite you in or needing clothes and, and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will say, Truly I tell you, Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Who qualifies to enter the kingdom of God? That's why Jesus said, and, 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 and you've got to be careful with this. Jesus didn't come to save the healthy. He's not saying <laughs> truly healthy. He's saying people that think they're healthy. Right? And Jesus didn't come to save the righteous. He's not talking about the truly righteous there. He's talking about those who think they're righteous. He's talking about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He's talking about all the people that live their lives in certain ways, and they figure they've done enough to qualify for the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus says these are the people that are going to enter the kingdom. People that have given money to somebody who can't afford rent, taken them into your home, cared for them. These are the people that qualify. So the right stuff of those who are part of the kingdom includes those who are humble, those who repent, those who show fruit of the experience. But here's another descriptor. Jews, Jesus used to indicate who had the right stuff to be part of the kingdom. Matthew 13, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and brought, bought the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. The right stuff includes making the kingdom of God your highest priority. Everything else, money, relationships, position, status, everything else needs to be secondary. If it is, you're part of the kingdom of God. 
If it isn't, you're not part of the kingdom of God. The right stuff. Humble, repentant, show evidence of being citizens of the kingdom. And place God and his kingdom above all other concerns in this life. It is no wonder then that Jesus said to Nicodemus, entering the kingdom of God requires a total rebirth. John 3, John says, writes, Very truly, Jesus is speaking, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. How can someone be born when they are, when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they can't enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Kind of embarrassing that he said that. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> I don't know if I would have chosen to say it, even if I was thinking it. And Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. To be born of the Spirit is to have the Son of God, or the Spirit of God in this case specifically, transform us from sinners to saints. So the question is, do you have the right stuff to be a part of the kingdom of God? Those who will enter the kingdom or who are part of the kingdom now and acknowledge their need for a savior, repents of sin, demonstrates the fruit of repentance, that it's not just a show, gives up everything for the kingdom, is recreated by the Holy Spirit and cooperates with the transforming work of the Spirit. I used to think, and maybe I'll just ask this as a question to you. To enter the kingdom of God, is there a minimal requirement, or is it all or nothing? Is there a basic requirement, and you're in? And oh, yeah, there's all that other stuff. Or is it all or nothing? When I say all or nothing, I'm not talking about perfection. But I'm saying, you're working on that. You're humble. You've repented. You're allowing the Holy Spirit to work in your life. You're trying to bear fruit. Right? I'm not talking about perfection. Will you, when you go to heaven, be surprised by people you see there? Oh, man, they must have got in on a technicality. <laughs> <laughs> or when you get there, will you have no surprise? Because you know that they are people that have the right stuff. What about people on the deathbed? Yeah, that's awesome. That's 
also. As soon as they give their faith, they put their faith in Jesus Christ, they're in. They don't have a life to prove, to show fruit. Right? That's exactly what happened on the cross. Jesus was dying. There was a thief. Thieves on both sides of them. But one of them asked for forgiveness. And he said, you're going to be with me in paradise today. So, in. Didn't have, you know, had, had, didn't, couldn't meet all, you know, didn't have, wasn't going to have the Holy Spirit work in his life <laughs> over a progressive part of time. His moments were numbered. But he was in. Yeah. So, I personally, for the longest time, had an idea that, you know, because you look at certain scriptures like, you just believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And you take that in exclusion to the rest of scripture. And you say, well, it's just a basic minimum, you know. You get in on a technicality. I don't think so anymore. I believe it's all or nothing, folks. I believe we, be we better shape up. Or there's going to be people surprised. Go back to Matthew 25. There are people who are not going to go in who had done all kinds of religious stuff. And Jesus is going to say, I don't know you. Who are you? This is why when Jesus describes entering the kingdom of heaven in Matthew 7, 13, and 14, he says this, enter through the narrow gate. For the wide for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. Even the good, the do-gooders. <laughs> right? But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Your eligibility to enter the kingdom of God is based upon when you stop living for yourself. Stop living for yourself and you start and you enter the kingdom of God. Even all the good stuff and the righteous looking stuff and the religious looking stuff can be done for yourself not for the right reasons. Narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. We don't want to be surprised. <laughs> Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the words of Jesus, which are so challenging. They are not what our world say they are. They present a very high standard, a very high bar, a, a narrow door through which we can enter. Help us, Lord, to take these words very seriously. And help us, Lord, by your Holy Spirit 
to start to weed out the things that we are doing that we think are right and good, but we're doing them for ourselves and for our own agenda and for our own purposes. And help us to only engage in those things that are for the kingdom of God and your purposes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I think I, I just want to say one more thing, and that is that if you read the parable of the sower, and you see it's a parable about the kingdom of God, and somebody's sowing, this, the farmer's sowing seed, some of it lands on a hard place, no question they're not in. Some gets into the, the thorny stuff, and it starts to crop. It starts to pop up. It gets tangled out. Some of it goes into stony, right? You see, the thing is, we work out our salvation. There is a process. Scripture is pretty clear about the fact that we have to work at our salvation. <laughs> and, and that it's not just meeting the basic requirement and that bearing fruit ultimately is proof that you're in the kingdom.